Well, I want to begin by saying thank you for coming, and uh, for those that could not come, I know there are several uh, that wanted to come, but they couldn't, uh, but I think we're recording it for them as well, so they'll be able to hear it uh, when they have time. Uh, and also, I want to say I am not a, a, you know, I'm a preacher, I'm still learning as well. I don't have everything packed, I'm not you know, like Mark Finley or Doug Batchelor, where you, you, you look at them and you can hear a sermon after, you know, another because they're such great preachers. Um, with God's help, one day, uh, hopefully, if God wants to use me in that capacity, then we'll do, you know. But as for now, I'm, I'm learning. And remember, I'm going to try to squeeze in three years of classes that I took at Southern and give it to you all. So, if I'm going too quickly, if you're not understanding something, raise your hand, don't be afraid, ask, all right? So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and start with scripture reading here, just, just, just to know. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in a little bit of context, if, we, if, if you've read the book of Acts, we find out in the book of Acts that, you know, you, you find the, the, the journey that Paul takes to plant churches and so forth. But he gets to a city called Athens. And when you look at the book of Acts, you see that, 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 that Paul comes in and he, he's looking at the Athenians, you know, they, they gather together to listen to these philosophers, these, these teachers and so forth. And he's, he looks at all the sculpture, sculptures of the gods that they have and he sees uh, the, 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 you know, the, the sign, the unknown God. And he goes on and he captures that idea and he starts preaching but it's interesting because when he does that in Athens is the moment he begins to speak about Christ and so forth he they start doing what they leave that marked a pivotal moment on Paul's life and how he does ministry and how he preached he later comes to Corinthians knowing about his error he's like you know what I'm not going to repeat the same thing and we find a key principle as to why he was effective. He learned from Athens. So First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to go ahead and, and, and came, uh, in verse 1, we'll, start, we'll pick it up from there. And I, brethren, and remember, Corinthians was equivalent to, if we were to put it in today's world, it's equivalent to going to New York, uh, Miami, Chicago, L.A., all these big cities where you find people that do not believe at all about God. They're, they're called nowadays the nuns, you know, having no affiliation, no religion, no God, and so forth. This is the Corinthians in his time. So we pick it up in chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with what? Excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. He had done that in, the, in Athens. He had used his words but he had, he, he had learned that that was not the key to his success. It says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And this is uh, the key that uh, we, we need, what I'm trying to convey as we learn together how to set up a sermon and so forth. And my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom but in a demonstration of the Spirit and power. That your faith shall not be in the wisdom of men, 
but in the power of God. And so my hope, my prayer is that after we go, you know, these four weeks that we'll be spending time to learn about it, it's that. The conclusion of the matter is that when we speak, we don't think about what persuasive words we're going to do, but we preach in the power and the, and the power of God. That was his success. Now, with that in mind, so we're going to go with the foundation. And so how many of you have ever heard a preaching, a preaching in where, um, and hopefully it's not by me, but if you have, that's okay. I need to learn more. Uh, where the person is sitting here, I'm not standing here, and he's preaching, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to talk ill about th- this individual or anybody, but they started preaching about the second coming, and they end up in the state of the dead. And then you're just like trying to figure out what this person preached about, because he preached about the angels, uh, third angel's message, he preached about the second coming, and you gave a lot of bit of everything, and then you're just like, wait, what did he preach about? Have you ever been in that type of sermon? Have you ever personally, I've done it before, where I, I get so excited about what I've been studying about that I want to tell everybody about that. And then you come in and you, you're supposed to preach, for example, about the second coming, and then you're so excited and, you, and the thought, when you're preaching, a thought comes in and you go to this place and this place and you're just like all over the place. Have you ever... Has that ever happened? And then you're, and you're just like, oh, Lord, I hope they're, they're getting the message. And don't, you know, um, it's okay. The, the Lord still works through us in that way. But also the Lord wants us to teach us how to prepare good sermons and where when you're preaching about the second coming, everybody's going to get out of, of church knowing, okay, God, the, the, you know, the, the elder or whoever preached about the second coming. Okay? So how do we do that? Well, there's also there's there's always in every uh, it, you know every form there's always procedures to follow. You know, when we talk about medical field, even 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 music, you know, we have to lay the foundations. So so today we're gonna f- lay the foundations and we're gonna build upon those foundations into the point where after this whole workshop, you all will be. Uh, uh, Sister Joy will be all saying, "Hey, you need to preach. You need to preach, and you need to preach." And we'll have a variety of preachers because that's the key to good sermons, variety of people. Because the way Terry preaches for me is not, it's not the way. But Terry can reach people that I can't reach. So we need as much people as we can. Um, and sorry, if, you're okay if I use you in the illustration? Awesome. <laughs> so so you sat next to me, so I have to pick on you, you know. Uh, so there's types of sermons. All right, uh, topical sermons. And um, how many of us know what a topical sermon is? I'm going to try to interact with you as well, you know. What is a topical sermon in your, in your mind? Sure, yes, there, there's topical sermons in the narrative. What is a narrative sermon? And, and it, what Rick was saying, I'm not going to repeat it, did everyone hear, right? So, a, narr- a narrative sermon. What is a narr- narr- narrative sermon? What, what comes to mind when you're thinking about it? If I, if I were to say, Sister Joy, uh, pick a narr- uh, uh, you're going to preach on a narrative sermon. Okay, okay. So, so a, topical, uh, a topical sermon is you, you pick a theme out of the Bible, all right? And we're going to talk about the, the, the good and the, the bad about it. 
I think it's just your own, at the end of the day, it's your own opinion, your own way of, of uh, making it personal to you. Because we're going to get to that. A sermon has to be uh, personal, it has to be practical, and it has to be prophetic. Personal, you have to relate to it the way you're giving it, okay? Uh, practical, because you're going to bring illustrations that are practical to the audience, and prophetic, it needs to be relevant for the, for the time, okay? So whether you pick a topic or you... It has to be something, you know, people, may, pastors uh, make their life just preaching topical sermons. Uh, some do narrative. You know what narrative is. So topical, as, as Rick said, it is, you pick a theme out of the Bible and you, 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 you basically teach it to the audience using different verses from the, from the Bible. Uh, narrative. What, what comes to mind when you, 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 you hear a Narrative. A story, yeah. So when we're, we're preaching about a, a story, it, they all have different ways of, of studying. Well, not, the, not different ways, but uh, of exposing. That's the word I'm, I'm looking for. The way you give it, it's, it's different, okay? So you also have a, uh, and I'm just going to give three just for example here, expository preaching. What uh, Expository preaching, and we're going to focus on that uh, this uh, evening here. It's it's expository, and it's it basically this is this is the definition of expository preaching, preaching uh, and proclaiming a biblical text. Okay, it's not to to and this is and this is what was taught to me in school for three years, and I mean it was it was zoned and you know and, and engraved in my mind. It's not the preacher's idea that changes the mind of people when you preach expository and not the words of the preacher. See, the preacher, when you do expository preaching, the preacher submits his or herself to the Bible text. So the preacher then becomes a mouthpiece for the text. God's thoughts govern the thought of the sermon and not the preacher. See, this is what expository preaching is. It's that you're getting the original content of the text and the text speaking to you, so you therefore could go and give it to the audience. It's not the preacher saying this is what the text says, but rather the text telling the preacher so that way the preacher can give it to the audience. Expository preaching. And so how do you do that? How is it that you could... Because the, there is good things about topical, but if you do it thematical with themes, there's sometimes there are, there are uh, topical sermons where you take a text out of context. All right, And that's very dangerous as you speak up front because it, it gives the false ideas. And when people read it, they say, oh, the preacher said this, you know. Um, and, and so we're trying to avoid that. Now, thematic, thematical, theme topical, it's good. That's where we get our 28 fundamental beliefs. You know, th- that's topical. But there is always a context before you bring out those texts. Let me give you an example of something that was taken out of context. I was working in West Virginia. I was uh, visiting a person that had not come to church for, I think it was over 12, 12 years or so. He had, the last time he had attended was when he was a teenager, and getting to know him, he comes in and he says, Pastor, you know, um, my, my father was in the brink of dying and the preacher came and uh, he, he prayed for me. And, and he said to claim uh, Matthew 18 where it says, where two or three are gathered, what is it? The Lord's with you. 
And automatically, you know, I, I listen to him, but that's what you're supposed to be do. Um, and I told him, listen, there's a principle that you can take out from there. But the context, I said, I, I, you know, I have to tell you, it's not what the preacher said. That text was taken out of context. Because that preacher was applying it to someone dying. But do you know what the context of that verse is? Anyone? Worship. Worship. Okay, a little, a little more. Um, it, it actually has to do with, with something else. The key of chapter 18, when you read the whole thing, it talks about people fighting. All right? That's the context. If you read the whole verses before that, Jesus is basically saying, hey, when there's a quarrel, a quarrel, a fight between you two, and they two, they two come together, when two or three are gathered trying to solve their issues, God will be there. Never heard that. Yeah, you go ahead and read it in chapter 18. That's the context of it, and it's there. So what would happen? This person had been told that that text meant that whenever two or three are, are there, uh, 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 which is not wrong, there's a principle we can take out of that. But if, he would have, the, pre, if the preacher would have said, look, the context of it is da-da-da-da, but we can take a principle which is God is always there as well. You know, and because of that, he never went back to church. He, he lost faith in God. So it's very important to know the context of what we're preaching. Because if we don't, we give false ideas and so forth. So expository preaching, you get the text, the text speaks to you. So what are the steps that we need to do that? And so I don't know if you've ever seen, I know some preachers uh, preach this way. Expository preaching is you take a passage, a text, a passage from the Bible, and you basically expound on that, okay? And you're, you're hitting it. You're hitting it, and the text itself speaks for itself. You, you're just applying it and so forth. So how do you do that? We're trying to find the, 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 the thing. So this is what we need to do. So in school, they tell you all these theological uh, phrases and so forth. And so one of them I'm going to just mention to you, which is called exegesis. All right? That's uh, theological. You don't have to remember that, but just know the meaning of it. Knowing the meaning will, will, will uh, make it clear what exegesis is. Have you ever heard of exegesis? Okay, good, good. So what is it? It's a critical explanation or interpretation of a text, specific, especially of Scripture. Okay, so what do you do to do it? Uh, how is exegesis done well? There's three questions you have to ask when you're... We're going to go ahead and pick a, a passage today. And I was thinking of, by the way, just, just, just for a quick, uh, a quick question here. John 3.16. We all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him. Question. What's the context of that? What happens in chapter 3 of John? He's talking to Nicodemus. And so when you're studying John 3.16, in order to go deeper, you have to look at the big picture. And that's what we're going to try to do. Okay? So, for example, uh, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But what is chapter 22? Because they're connected. Because remember, in the original language, you don't have... 
you don't have verses, you don't have chapters. We have with with God's and, and, and prayer, you have to know where the thought ends and where it another thought begins. And then you get that, and you just say, Lord, okay, and you question. You sh- the more you wrestle with the text, the more God will work in your heart. And that's the beauty about expository preaching. And um, so uh, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. But what is 22 all about? What is 22 all about? It's actually a, prof- a prophetic uh, psalms that is speaking about Jesus' death if you look at it as a whole. And then 23 fits in, because after it's, it's, it's Psalms 22 told you about the prophetic mission, he tells you about who he was on earth, the sheep, he, I mean the shepherd. And so when you look at scripture in the context and so on, and put things together, you're just like, you're mind blown. That's why Jeremiah was able to say, your word is it's like honey to my, to, my, to, my, to my taste. That's when the word takes a deep meaning in your life. And that's the beauty of it. So we're going to try to do that. And, and, and that's when you're going to get excited when you preach and so forth. So three questions you must ask before you begin everything. What is, and these questions are to help us understand the real meaning or the, the, you know, of the text. So the first question, what is the biblical author saying? What is he saying? So the answer to this question is the main idea, main idea of the text. So what is the biblical author saying? And, and right now, I'm going to give you the steps, but then we're going to go and pick a passage, and we're going to do it together. So that way we can learn together. It's going to be practical here, okay? So what is the biblical author saying? So uh, the answer to this question is the main idea of the text. Second question you have to ask when you study the Bible and you're preparing for a sermon, an expository sermon. Why is the biblical author saying this? Why is he saying this? The answer to this question reveals the biblical author's purpose. There's always a reason why they're writing. And the third question you have to ask is, how is the biblical author saying it? How is he saying it? Is he writing to reprimand the church? Is he writing because he's, you know, like Paul, I mean, like, uh, like Paul or like John, because he's worried that there's agnostic ideas out there? Now, why is he saying these things? Why is he saying it? The answer to this question is the particular, literally, genre of the passage. So, is it poetic? Is it narrative? Is it expository? Is it a letter? Is it a gospel? And so forth. Now, how do you come up with that? So we're going to go ahead and pick a passage. And I was going to pick one, but I, I want to see what you guys wanted. Where, where do you want to start? What, what passage would you want to study? Out of this passage, we each were go- we'll, we'll make a sermon out of it. And each sermon will be different. Because we're all unique. We all have our different style of you know, speaking and so forth. So what is the passage that you want to pick out? Galatians 2.20. 2. For, for, it says, For I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live by Christ. That's a really good passage. So let's go ahead and remember, uh, what is 
these are the three questions we're going to try to answer. And, and um, we may not have it now, but there are some Bibles in the beginning of the book that tell you the author, the, the theme of the, the, all these things. Mine doesn't, but if we do have one, does your Bible do that? Or do we have any Bible? If not, I'll, go, I'll give you the context of it. Is that one, does that one give you... Um, the beginning, the theme, who wrote it, what, when they wrote it, and so forth? Because if not, if not, that's okay. I'll walk through you. I'll walk with you through it. But there are sources you can go to to find all these things, okay? And, you know, okay. There are sources you can go through. Google is your best friend for this, Okay? And I'm going to give you some websites, and, and hopefully I'll, I'll go ahead and print out those, those websites for next, next time we're here. So some of, the, some of the websites that you can use that are public is blueletterbible.org, I believe it's called. Blueletterbible.org, where you can go and find all these things that we're going to talk about right now. Um, Blue Letter Bible, we have, um, I think it's... Bible, it's called BibleHub.com, BibleHub.com, and you also, I think the other one is Bible Gateway, Bible Gateway, those are some of the three um, that you can use to, to, to follow these process that will help you in your preparation of your sermon, Um. Or even your, your Bible study, all right? Because if you implement these, this is a way of, of studying the Bible, and out of this study, we'll make a sermon. So this is not just how to prepare a sermon. This is how to study the Bible in depth. Because um, that's what really a sermon is all about. So let's see. Uh, you got the three, Bible, blueletterbible.org, I believe is the org. If not, try it at .com or... Just Google it, and, and you'll have uh, Bible Hub and Bible Gateway. Okay, so what is the biblical author saying? So Galatians, let's go to Galatians chapter 2. Okay, well, I think Galatians is a book where we all, I think we studied it last year in quarters, right? Okay, so uh, that's a good thing about Sabbath school. It gives you context. Um, I'm going to ask you some questions, and what is the author about biblical author saying? All right, so... In order to do this, our first stage, all right, our first stage, we have to always pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, okay? We're going to pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Our second stage, determine the textual, the textual unit. What does this mean? Define the textual parameters according to the literary context of the passage. So, so in, in this stage, we're going to find out, Galatians 2.20, where Paul's thought begins and ends of that text. Because it's not just 20, that it's a continuation of what he has been saying in the past. And where does it end at the end? Once we identify that, then we can zone in and be more clear as to what we're going to study. All right? So first step is to pray. So we're going to do something, you know, we're going to do it practical. So is there anyone that, we, that wants to pray at this moment to, to go ahead and, and get insight from the Holy Spirit? Do we have anyone? Okay, go ahead.
Amen. Okay, so before we go into this, there's also other things that you have to consider. Um, the type of literary. So is it a poetic, prophetic, narrative? Is it a letter? From our knowledge, what is Galatians? Is it poetic, prophetic, narrative, or is it a letter in the pistol? It's a letter. Okay, first things first. It's a letter. All right? So we know that because it's a letter, it's being addressed to someone, right? All right, we, we have that covered. Now, um, we go and if you want to get e- even deeper in like Blue Hub, Bible Hub, you have um, a Blue Letter Bible and all those things, they, you can search on who wrote it. You'll find out that who wrote it. Paul, and most of the time these epistles, Paul says, Paul and the Apostle of Paul, blah, blah, you know, you, you know that. Because, well, let me not go there. I probably could just, that's too prob- no, that's fine. Um, I have thoughts running to see where, I, where I'm taking you here. Um, but I don't want to jump to what, let me just stick to what I was planning to, uh, to you know, to present to you all. Um, you have that, you, you have Paul, you wrote Paul, and you can find these things in those websites that I mentioned to you, all right? Now, you have, if you want to go ahead and do the date, date also helps in some, some aspects, because then if you want to go in, in deeper, for example, there's, there's debates, you know, there's hard, when you tackle hard text, for example, there's a text in Peter that, for, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, which is one of the hardest texts to explain. And in order to explain that text, you have to go outside of the historical content of what was taking place at the time. So the date matters in that aspect. So the, the, the context of this text, or, or in Peter, he's talking about that how Jesus came and he presented himself after resurrection to some angels or something like that. Um, it's a weird text that the theologians struggle explaining this text. And in order to find meaning and in, in, in the real meaning of it, you have to go and, and you have to look at all the things, who wrote it, the date. So in, in some ver- Bible verses, we'll have to look at the date. That matters. For here, not so much because it's, it's a letter that it explains itself. So the date, we know it was written... Does, by the way, some Bibles tell you the date or approximate the date. Does anybody's Bible does that? Okay, so we know the author, and now we're trying to see why, what is the biblical author saying? So in Galatians, tell me, what is, the, what is Paul saying to the Galatians? In a summary. To die to self. Okay, there's a lot of themes in the in the in the letter. Uh, quite a few themes, uh, but but let's go ahead and a summary. A summary of it. To die to self. What was the main concern of the letter, though? Do we know? What was the main concern of the letter? Just a summary. Yeah. What type of apostasy? Sure, yeah. 
So uh, sister here said that they were bringing apostasy by bringing other doctrines, all right? What was the doctrine they were bringing? Right, righteousness by work. It was about whether you are saved by works or through Christ. Yes, because of yes, the laws. Yes, so it was. It was. If you could summarize the book of Galatians, this, and we're going through this because this is important. Because now, as we we zone down down on the text and the thought of of Moses of Paul, you have we have to uh, look at the big picture. That way, we look at what the real intent was of the author. And when we do that, the Bible just it it, it becomes a joy to read. Um, and so, it, it basically, if we can summarize it, Paul, and Paul was a person that repeats himself over and over again, like Jesus, in other ways. If you, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. Um, Jesus was always saying to people, then he would explain with a parable and another parable and another parable until they got it. Um, so Paul does that. Paul goes in and he gives you a little background in chapter 1 of what happened and how his apostleship became about. And he talks about the problem, the real issue in chapter 2. And, and in chapter 3, he gives you the solution of how not to become a legalistic person. And in chapter 4, he gives you um, the, the practicality of it. And in chapter 5, you go, you go in and he gives you a, a, a story to kind of tell you, okay, if you didn't understand about this, remember Hagar and... Um, what was the other lady's name? Hagar and was it Rebecca? I always get confused. The, 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 the mother of, the, the wife of Jacob. Not Jacob, sorry, Abraham. Sarah, Sarah. He gives you, in chapter 5 he goes and he, he gives you an example. If you didn't understand what I said in chapter 4, Hagar and Sarah, the bond woman and the, the free, right? He goes on and in chapter 6 he, draw, he draws everything together. I just skimmed through it, but it's really good, and if you, if you do this, if you don't, that's fine, but in order for us right now, as we're going to go to chapter 2, verse 20, it's always good, so we're going to zone now, now that we know what it's really, what's all about, it's about Paul trying to avoid apostasy law and how you're really justified, with that in mind, and it's and the way we get that is, is by reading it over and over and over and over again. Sometimes I play it in, in my car when I visit, when I go to Rapids, and I'm preaching here or wherever I'm preaching. I, I put audio, you know, the audio Bible, and I read the same passage over and over and over and over again till, till it becomes part of me, till I know what I'm, I'm saying or, or what the thought is. And that's the key to it. The more you listen or read with to the passage that you're preaching about the more insight you will get with the holy spirit all right you have to just you have to eat it just the whole week if it's possible if if you have a month in advance and preaching just read all of that read all of that memorize it if you can so that way when when, when the time you preach you'll be like a like a seasoned preacher not using your notes and that wouldn't that be nice all right so Chapter 2, verse 20, we're going to go up to 4.30, so we have a couple minutes. We're just laying the foundation here. Chapter, chapter 2, verse 20. 
All right, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're going to take some time now, and we're going to try to see where the thought begins of that thought and where it ends.
we have any thoughts? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And he's saying, look, if you listen to them, you let that person be the person. Yeah. And because you need to die with Christ and become Christ. Yeah. Let Christ be you mm-hmm. and speak through you. So if you need anything else that anybody else is saying other than what I have taught you, mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah, you're anathema, in other words, yeah. Anyone that wants to add to Terry? Right. And so Paul was pointing out that um, Christ's death is the service to us. Christ's death as circumcised by faith, we no longer need to be circumcised. Right. And he's talking about Abraham who had faith, and it's the same faith that we now have. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, and that 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 was an overview of of it, and and following your thought and 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 what uh, along with Terry said, you you kind of explained it, elaborated a little more. Um, we get to trap to verse twenty. All right, he's talking to to, to Peter. You know, in verse eleven, we'll keep reading down. And he's talking about how Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of all that, and they don't have to go back to it, right? He's like, look, I'm not thinking like you're thinking. And you want to live a life the way that God has promised? I died daily. And because Christ lives in me, I don't come up with these erroneous ideas or ideas that I have to do this or I have to do that. Christ crucified in me the hope of glory. Another verse, another you know verses. So once we have the the big idea, now that we have it, and, and by the way, the way you you spoke it, that was a sermon. You know, you're you're speaking about your findings. Um, so you get an overview. So determine the textual unit. So how do we do that? Um, we talked about the whole thing. 
Your Bible, the people that translate it, depending on the translation you have, you have subtitles. Have you ever seen those? Those subtitles, for the most part, are what, what happened. The, the reason why we have subtitles is because those that are, are in translating from the original language to our English, they thought, okay, the thought begins here and it ends here. That's what, that's what our subtitles are helpful for. So the thought in Galatians chapter 2 begins in Galatians uh, according to this translation, 11. And it goes all the way to chapter 3. Okay? It's not always correct. That's why we have to prayerfully read it over and over again and read chapter 1 and read chapter 3 to see if the thought is flowing to chap- the next chapter. All right? Is it a transitional chapter or is it a chapter where the thought ends and it goes to something else? Let me give you an example. When you read chapter... Hebrews, I love Hebrews, uh, chapter 11. It talks about what? The Hall of Fame of Faith, right? If you can put it, summarize it to that. Now, we only probably, I don't know, but this was me before. I would only read chapter 11, and that's it, and I thought chapter 12 was something different. But actually, chapter 12 is a continuation of, of what he has said in chapter 11, because he says, therefore, having a cloud of witnesses... So when you preach passage 12 of Hebrews, you have to connect with 11 to get the big picture. So you see what I'm saying? But the, the authors have put subtitles making you think that it's a, never, a, it's a different thought, which is not. It's actually a, a continuing thought. Okay? So we also we have to watch about that. And, and for the most part, our Bibles, the people who translated, did a good job in kind of, uh, you know, capturing the thoughts where it begins where another one begins and so forth so uh, galatians chapter 2 verse 11 through verse 21 that's a whole top thought okay one single thought so now that we have it so we're preaching about galatians chapter 20 i mean verse 2 chapter 20 now what you do is you pray you get the you get the thought the whole thought so the whole thought Begins, according to my Bible here, 11 to 21. Are we good? So once we figure that out, it's when we start from 11, or if you want to go up to chapter 2, you keep reading it till verse 21, and if you want to go ahead and read it till chapter 3, that's fine. You keep reading over and over again. The third thing, the third step, first pray, determine the textual unit, which we just did. Chapter, and the stage three is get an overview of the passage. So read it prayerfully and meditate numerous times on it. As you read and pray and meditate, get a sense of its flow. What is he saying? How is he saying it? Remember the questions. To who is he saying it to? All these questions you have to keep asking yourselves. Have you, so that way you know the flow of the text. Once you know the flow of the text, make notes as you're reading during the day. Make, make notes of ideas that come or issues that, you need, to be, that need to be explored. All right? Because ideas will come as you keep reading it. You know, maybe you're in prayer and you're talking to God about this, this text and that, that idea comes and you start writing it. You make notes. What, what, what did he mean by this and so forth? And you write them down. So the fourth step. The stage four of it, determine the genre or literary, 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 I'm sorry, I can't say the word, literature type of the passage. Yeah, literary. 
So the stage four, after you get the overview, after you repeat it, you look at what type, what type of genre is it? Possible options, narrative, poetry, wisdom, law, prophecy, gospel, parables, epistles, apocalyptic. And then you, and we're going to talk about that next time. Apply the special rules of that particular genre to the passage during the stage seven below. Anyways, so recap. What, what was the first step? We pray. All right, we prayed about the text, Galatians. We then did what? The unit, right? The thought, where it begins and where it ends, right? After that, you do what? Yes, the context, yes. Then you do what? Get an overview of the passage. What does this mean? You, 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 you pray and you keep reading it. You keep listening to the same passage over and over and over again. This is a Bible study that you're doing actually by yourself with God. And then after that, you, you whether, okay, now that you say, okay, you look at the big picture and say, well, is this an epistle? Is this a prophetic by a book? Is this wisdom? Wisdom like uh, Ecclesiastes or Proverbs or, you know, Psalm or something like that. You, you, there's a lot of uh, genres out there. Here we know it's an epistle, right? It's a letter. So then after you know that it's a letter, you look at the context, and then now you're going to look at the big picture, all right? You analyze the context of the passage. So now it's good to also see what chapter 1 is saying, how it connects to chapter 2, and how chapter 2 connects to 3, 4, and 5, and 6. What's the big picture? What's the, the big idea that Paul is trying to convey in his letter to the Galatians? We talked about it already. It's about justified by Christ through faith and not by works, not by law. Okay, that's the big picture. All right? You know that, so that way you, you can now zone in and then you then analyze the culture, the context of the passage. And, and you mentioned it. There were people who were, um, I think you mentioned, Terry, how there were, there were people who were talking about something else, right? Um, which was contrary to what, and even if you look at chapter 1, I think it's in Galatians where Jesus, where Paul, he dares to say, look, if there's someone else preaching my gospel, other than what I'm preaching, call them anathema, accursed. They are, yeah, and anathema is accursed. I mean, he goes to, he, he's very bold and blunt, right? Exactly. <laughs> And, and, and so, so you see now, you're looking at the whole big picture, all right? The, the cultural context. So what's the cultural context? Who is this group? They're called the Judaizers. What was so significant about the Judaizers in Paul's time? Did you know, and you find this by looking at the historical context. Now, we talked about the context of the text, all right? But the context, and that's why it's also good and it pays to read our Sabbath school because all our Sabbath school helps us, you know, look at the context and so forth and we get more insights. Uh, like Isaiah this week, you know, um, with King Asa and so forth. But what's the historical context? Did you know, and this is, this is something, uh, did you know how Paul introduces himself? If you notice, Romans, almost all his epistles, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from man nor through man, but through Christ 
Jesus. He does that for a reason. Because the historical context, if you look at Paul's life, this is where you would look at Paul's life, uh, writings of Paul, if you want to get deeper and deeper, all right? Did you know that Paul was never accepted as an apostle? And that's why he always has to say what, he, what I just read. Listen, I am an apostle. Although you people hear that I'm not, I am. Not because you guys accepted me, no, because Christ has called me to do it. Of course. And that's why they didn't believe that he was a, a, an apostle. I'm sure people knew what he had done before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Sure. And in and, and the historical context, in addition to what uh, uh, Terry spoke to, we look at Acts. Acts has a lot of the things that Paul did. He, I think, I do believe Acts gives us an account of when he went to Galatia and how it was. And those are all the historical context. And we have to look at that to look at the bigger picture. All right? Um, any questions? This is just the foundation. We're, we're hoping to, to lay a def, uh, you know, more and more foundation. So uh, this is just the foundation. And then towards the end, we're, we're hopefully next time we're, we're talking about the bullets. What is a bullet? How, how can you summarize your sermon in one sentence that people can get after you leave after? And I have not used that here, but I've used it elsewhere. And last week I was, I preached, you know, this is just probably a, a heads up for you for next time. I preached my very first sermon in Rapids, and I used what we call in biblical, you know, preaching, a bullet. All right? What is this bullet? What's the purpose of the bullet? The bullet's a pur- the purpose is to summarize your whole sermon in one sentence or just phrases to the point where when you leave, six months later, people know by just that phrase you said what you talked about. And I, I was preaching, I was giving this seminar last week, and I, I asked the lady, because she had told me, I remember, I, I first remember uh, your sermon. I'm like, why? And she said, the bullet. We want to, you know, because we want that. We want our sermons to be so powerful with Christ's help that when people leave out of here, they remember at least one thing. And that one thing they remember summarize all your, your sermon. All right? We're going to learn that. But before we get to that bullet, we need to first study the Bible the correct ways to get a bullet out. Keeping it in the context. And that's what we're doing now. Context, then we get to the fun part, which I call, well, this is fun for me too, but, the, 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 you know, the more fun where uh, you get more practical and so forth. So give me, let me give you an example. I preached on uh, Hebrews. I have actually haven't preached this sermon here yet. I'm hoping, I don't know if I should give you the bullet. I, I, I will. <laughs> no, no. And, you, know, you know, what I find interesting now, now that you're learning this, all these things I apply in my sermons. I don't know if you've noticed, but I say the context, who wrote it. I try to give you an overview of that. Because they also tell you in preaching, never assume that people know. And a lot of times... Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I would write a short story or whatever it was, and I'd turn it in, and they go, you know, that was again, and again, and again. <laughs> until you got it. Until you make your point. Sure, your point yeah. Has to be clearly defined. 
Exactly. And so we're going to try to get that. So I preached on Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm finishing up. I said uh, 445. Uh, uh, I preached on Hebrews 12, all right? And my bullet, what summarized my whole sermon was when God is silent. No, when God is silent, he is working. I said that. And I asked her last week in front of the whole class, what was my bullet in my first sermon? She said it. And even her husband, who wasn't there, later on I visited them. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember your first sermon. And he said the same thing. I haven't used it here. But when you, use a, when you start preaching with a bullet, you remember the sermon, and it summarizes the whole sermon. And that's, that what, my bullet was, when God is silent, he is working. That summarized my whole sermon. So when I heard that, I was so happy. Because I know I, you know, I prepared and, and I, 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 I shared it effectively, you know. So we're going to try to do that. When God, is what? when God is silent, he is still working. I'm not getting my hearing aids. When God is silent, he is working. Okay. Jesus was phenomenal at bullets. Let me give you a Jesus bullet. I am the way. That's a bullet. That's a bullet. And Jesus had many of them. So we're going to try to uh, find out how to do bullets. And when you preach, if you preach all about whatever it is, but that one bullet comes across, people will know that. That's how you zone in on your, on your, on your preaching. So, but before, to get, before we get to a bullet, we need to look at the basics. How to study the Bible in depth to bring about a bullet. Any questions? Any questions? Awesome. Thank you for being a good student, good students. Um, if you over, we're going to study this more, so we're going to practice this, all right? So if you want to go ahead and, and get deeper into this text, go to those websites, look at it and, and study it at your own pace, and then we'll talk about it. I want to see what your findings are because then we're, after you do this, all these steps, we missed a couple, by the way, after that, then we go into the application because we're studying the content as how the author wrote it, why he wrote it, but how is it relevant to me? We're going to try to as the teacher would tell us, there's a bridge. You need to bring the original context of what the author said, and you need to come and go through a bridge and make it relevant for today. How do we do that? There's also steps. And then that's where the bullet comes in and so forth. Um, so thank you for joining. And next, next two weeks, we'll uh, keep going with this. We'll stick on Romans, uh, so, sorry, not Romans, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. And uh, by the end of this workshop, we'll, each one of us will have at least a sermon that we can focus on because maybe we may all focus on different aspects of that text. Okay? So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being a God who has given us your word, Lord, to know more and get in depth. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to share what I've learned over the years and keep learning, and I just hope that they're blessed by it, Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, if they have any questions or anything, uh, give me the wisdom as well to know and how to, 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 to share an answer, or if I don't, you know, I, I need to 
search more, Father. And so uh, thank you for giving us your spirit and being with, all, with each and one of us here. Bless them in a mighty way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.